everyone and welcome to season two episode 13 of the big at the back podcast episode 13 so it's the unlucky number we're both unlucky at fpl because we both suck and you shouldn't listen to a word either of us say for this whole podcast matt how are you i mean i could not agree more with that intro i'm all right thanks i am a little bit cold this morning because it feels like winter has hit us this morning but I can't complain too much. How are you? Obviously, you ran half marathon at the weekend. So how's the body recovering? I did. It's not too bad, you know. Uh, so I ran the half marathon on Sunday. I actually, I did it last year for the first time. So I did the same one again this year. Um, beat my time by quite a bit. Um, I think that highlights, A, how much I've work I've put in, and B, how unfit I actually was last year. So uh, there's two things combined, but no, really happy with it. My body seems to be okay. I'm giving it an extra day of rest before jumping back on the running uh, as of tomorrow. But yeah, all good, all good. And found a very interesting, if not so much enjoyable, weekend of football. Well, for uh, you as a Liverpool fan, obviously the the misery continues, but Mm. I had a great weekend. We picked up West Ham and Liverpool on equal points now. I mean, (laughs) weren't expecting that after the start of the season we had, but you've been probably even more underwhelming than we have. Yeah, I, we've just not really got out of second year. And look, we can definitely start there when we are talking about the matches. Um, let's dive straight into our FPL, though, because I think a very average game week for me. How did you do? How did you get on? So I finished up on 72 points, which was quite a bit above the average oh, like uh, after a sub came in as well. Uh, unfortunately, that sub was Tyrek Mitchell and not Andreas Pereira, who was my third sub, um, who would have been nice if he would have come on for an extra five points. But I can't complain too much. Uh, Pope in goal, obviously, another frustration, frustrating week for Newcastle defensive assets, in, unless you've got Trippier, who still seems to be picking up points. But they just keep throwing away those clean sheets and, and shooting themselves mm. in the foot as well. Uh, it was a penalty this week. Um, across the back line, James and Mitchell coming in with one point each after James was pinched. We need to have um, a discussion about that, by the way, because that's yeah, area. It's a it's a real pain in the ass that one. Um, mm. And then obviously the star of the show in the back line is Jao Cancelo with eighteen points, goal assist, clean sheet, and sweeping up the bonus points. Uh, midfield, uh, Luis Diaz with three. Alexis McAllister with two and obviously Diaz picking up that injury. So that's another com- uh, point of conversation we'll be having today. And then De Bruyne and Martinelli with uh, some returns. Martinelli picking up a big 12 points. And then a front two of Erling Haaland and Odson Eduard, who I brought in for Ivan Tony, um, who did actually end up with more points than Tony just about because he got a couple of bonus points. He ended up on eight points. So I'll take that for a transfer. Bear in mind, I took a four-point hit to make my two transfers. Uh, and ended up making a two-point loss on those transfers. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. I, I have taken a four-point hit already based on just my team and what it was looking like. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I've ended on 64 points. So uh, it's six points above the average, but red arrows all around. Uh, obviously, Martinelli and Cancelo being the stars of the show. Kane in there as well with seven points. So he's ticking along with a return every week since game week one. So he's just very enjoyable to own as a second premium. 
But other than that, nothing really of note. And Andreas, third sub, my first two subs came on, Andreas didn't. So little gutted about that, especially with Luis Diaz going off after an injury. Um, and he probably would have picked up more than just the assist as well if he'd have stayed on. Yeah, he was looking good. He was like Liverpool's, but Liverpool's best player of the game, um, which is probably a good segue for us to, to talk about that game. Obviously, yeah. you as a Liverpool fan... What did you think of the game as a neutral? Uh, it was, I mean, as a neutral, it was entertaining. It was end-to-end. It had a bit of everything. Uh, obviously, controversy with both penalty decisions being mm. hotly debated. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think you can argue that Liverpool should have had a penalty, especially when you see some others that are given. If your hand is away from the body... His hand is definitely away from his body and it hits him. That should be a penalty. So that's obviously the first point of contention for Liverpool fans and rightly so. The second one is is the, the award of Arsenal's penalty. And I think, although it is a fairly soft one, mm-hmm. it's one of those that it's not going to be overturned by VAR either way because there is a small bit of contact and that's enough for a penalty. So it is, as, a, as you obviously as a Liverpool fan, I can see your points of frustration there. Uh, I think overall on the day, the better side won. And I don't think many people will argue that. Um, and although there were key points in the game that just went Arsenal's way, I never really felt that they were in danger of of not winning the game. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the penalty for Liverpool was Stonewall and the penalty for Arsenal was not a penalty. I think if the ref doesn't give that, VAR never overturns it, for instance, because there was effectively no contact. Um, but... Arsenal were the better side. And, you know, in that first half, we went to goal down straight away, which Liverpool always seemed to be doing recently. Like, we just throw away the clean sheet within the first 10 minutes in every game we're playing at the moment. But we went to goal down. And after that, I was really worried because we only really had two midfielders on the pitch and Klopp had gone essentially all out attack. Um, But we came back into the game really well. I thought Darwin Nunez was playing well. Um... I thought Martinelli was giving Trent a terrible time. Now, Trent's someone I really want to discuss here because people have made a big deal out of his defending and I get it. I I agree with most of it, to be honest, especially this season. I think in previous seasons, it's been really overblown, but this season he just seems to have capitulated. Um, However, the first goal was actually Simikas being completely out of position, Van Dijk having to cover him and the whole defence having to move across. And Arsenal then very cleverly completely overloaded Trent's size. So it was four versus one. Um, so I, I really don't think you can blame Trent for the first goal. That second goal, though, what is what on earth is he doing? Defensively, all over the place. He's gone. He's tried to predict where Martinelli's going and he's thought that Martinelli was going past Henderson. But by doing that, he's tried to be too clever, not covered himself. And then Martinelli's just cut back and put it straight into Saka's path. So really, really clumsy defending. Hooked on half-time because of an injury as well. I'm really really worried about how we're going to fare, especially next week and even the next two weeks, to be honest, against West Ham. What are your thoughts on the whole Trent debacle and everything going on there? It's... It's shocking how far, far quickly he's fallen off the cliff. Like, mm. even even going forward, he's not doing as much as he was previously. Obviously, he got um, a goal in the Champions League last week with a fantastic free kick. But 
that's not really his main name. You've, you've got some good set ball specialists at, at mm. Liverpool. You don't need to rely on your right back to be doing that. What you do need him to do, and especially when you're in the sort of situation you're in and results aren't going your way, you need him to defend. And teams are just targeting him at the moment. And it's it's almost a, an easy into your into your like behind your back line, which means your rest of your defence is having to make up for it. Like the goal, like you say, the first goal was... He had to shift over because of what happened down the left. Saka had a load of space on the right-hand side, which he made the most of. Good ball through to, I think it was Erdegaard, who slipped it through. But um, just in general, he needs to focus more on that defensive side of his game. I don't know what you do if you're Jurgen Klopp, because you want to stand by your player. I mean, I know he's picked up an injury now, so he might his hand might be forced into, into not playing. But it's a really tricky situation. But if you don't improve that soon, especially with, like say, City coming up this weekend... It's going to be a struggle. Well, Trent's out for that game, isn't he? Um, yeah. One thing I will say in Trent's defence, though, second half, he came off. Joe Gomez was there. And while we looked a bit more compact defensively, we could not get the ball out of the back. One thing Trent is really, really underrated in doing is he gets Liverpool moving, playing those balls from defence to those advanced midfielders, to those attacking players. Without Trent able to do that from the back, we are just pegged back in and we don't have anyone with the kind of quality Trent does to be able to do that. He is our route into the transition. And without him, we just completely lost that and Arsenal absolutely suffocated us. Um, we'll get to how awesome Arsenal were in a minute. L- Liverpool, like, I thought Henderson had a good game. Darwin Nunez had a good game. The rest of them can almost hang their heads in shame for the way they played, to be honest. I thought it was really, really poor. Oh, actually, Firmino, when he came on, played very well as well. Um, yeah, I think I think Jota's assist was nice as well. Um, yeah. The ball through to Firmino. He always seems to get a return against Arsenal, does Diogo Jota? But unfortunately for them, he's only played them twice this season. Yeah, I mean Firmino is Arsenal's his favourite team to play. Um, yeah. Do you remember that hat trick a few years ago as well? But yeah, I think yeah we just really struggled, and Arsenal played very, very, very well. I thought Liverpool were very much in it until half time. When, as soon as Luis Diaz went off, as soon as Trent got injured, we were in big, big trouble and Arsenal just went on to dominate from there, really. And while I can complain about the penalties, you're right, the better team won. I think the other like big talking point as well is obviously Salah being hooked um, yeah. after about 65, 70 minutes, which, I mean, for the man who has carried, not carried a team, because he's been a very good side for the last two years, but for the man who's been the main focal point and the big star of the show for the last, well, since he signed, and when you're chasing a game, almost I know it was two all at the time, but you need a goal at that point if you want to be progressing. Because let's be honest, Liverpool are a team that no matter who you're coming up against, you want to be winning the games. And to hook your man, who's your top scorer for the last three, four years now, that shows mm-hmm. just sort of how far his stock has fallen in the last couple of months. Yeah, well, actually, I don't even think it's last couple of months. Twenty twenty two, Salah hasn't had Salah's had maybe three or four really good games compared to at this stage in 2021 when he had like an obscene amount of goals and assists already. I I think there are light years in between Salah at this time last year and Salah right now. And I'm not quite sure what's wrong with him, but he's not really leading the press very well. That being said, though, Arsenal were terrific. And if you, ex- if you excuse the fact that he should have definitely be in jail for raping someone, Thomas Partey, <laughs> I mean... Legally, legally not guilty. I mean, 
evidence shows he is very guilty. Like we've all seen the text messages. But Thomas Partey was the standout performer in that midfield. He was really, really good. And Martinelli and Saka just looked wonderful. Um, Jesus was quieter than usual. I think maybe playing against Van Dijk meant that they played more through the wide players. But I thought the wide players, the last game I watched, they were playing really, really hugging the touchline. Not against Liverpool, not today. They were playing quite far inside and they were playing quite offensively. Because I was thinking of dropping Martinelli on the basis that he was hugging the touchline so much in the last game uh, when I think they won 3 0. He, he got an assist or something like that. I can't remember who against. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because he was hugging the touchline, I was thinking, oh, could I move him on? Not after watching this game. They were both cutting inside like mad and playing really inside, which meant that they were on the receiving end of chances. I thought it was really interesting and really well done from a tactical perspective. What did you think of it? I completely agree. Jesus almost um, took a back seat in this game and it was a tactical decision to come deeper, pick the ball up in those deeper areas, which gave Martinelli and Saka that space to run in behind him, um, attack those wide areas where Liverpool are a little bit weaker at the moment without Robertson's defensive work and obviously with Trent's issues at the moment. So that gave them more freedom to roam in behind, which worked for the first goal, Martinelli. Um, the second goal as well, Martinelli getting in behind and Saka coming in off the right to, to finish. So that was their ta- that was their plan and it worked perfectly. Um, and it was those two main men on those wings that, that really worked for them, um, which again justified the high ownership for both Martinelli and Saka in FPL. Um, they cleaned up with the bonus points, um, three for Saka and two for Martinelli. Obviously, two goals for Saka and a goal and assist for Martinelli. So, And, I mean, if you look at their sort of upcoming fixtures, I know they've got the blank, um, but their next three actual games are Leeds, Southampton and Nottingham Forest, which are very nice-looking fixtures at the moment. Yeah, I mean... Agreed, but you've got to navigate the Arsenal and City blank. And it's frustrating because they're the two teams you really want to own in FPL right now. Yeah. So you can only really have three of them in that game week 12 spot rather than the six you would want. Um, I think that segues quite nicely because actually Liverpool's next game is against Man City. And I think if you're Man City, Liverpool, without their two starting fullbacks and Trent and Robertson, we're going to have Samikas and Gomez there. Man City in full flow. You've got Haaland. You've got Grealish in the form of his life up against Joe Gomez. You've got Foden in the form of his life against Simikas. It could absolutely be a bloodbath. So let's talk about Man City. And were you disappointed that they, with this result, with only 4 0 over Southampton? <laughs> what, what a weird question, isn't it? Only for now. They are that much better than everyone else at the moment. That this could, if they had got out of second gear, which they evidently couldn't be bothered to do, but if they had got out of second gear, if Haaland had just had a shooting boots on, which he didn't, even though he scored, then they, this could have been 9 10 nil. Haaland should have probably had a hat trick. And he, he was another having, one. Yeah, he was having an off day. Um, and they only got one goal. I just think they are a different class and a different level at the moment. I think they, against Liverpool next week, Man City know, and Pep knows, that if they beat Liverpool, Liverpool are dead and buried out of the title race. 14 points behind, we've made that up last season to run City close. This season, City beat us, got 17 points. We are dead and buried for the whole season. That's, I mean, we're already dead and buried. But it's the nail in the coffin that confirms it and just 
kills any glimmer of hope that Liverpool would have had. And Pep's going to know that going into this game. They're going to be fully ready to go into every gear they have, which is bloody terrifying considering that they're not getting out of second gear and they're still winning four, four or five nil every week. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. Like you say, Haaland could have had another hat trick. He hit the post early mm. doors, uh, obviously got his goal and he also missed another good chance where he just had a bit of an air shot late in the game. So you can easily see a, another situation on another day where he gets another hat trick, which is, is just scary. But like, if he doesn't hit you, Foden hits you. If he doesn't hit you, De Bruyne hits you. If he doesn't hit you, Cancelo hits you. If he doesn't hit you, Maris hits you. It's just, the names just keep coming and they, like, even Grealish started on the bench this game. Mares started, um, had a cut of chances, probably could have had a hat-trick himself. He was um, so good as well, though, Mares was. Right. Yeah, and like they're just, they're, un- they're unreal. I think, um, having not seen the full game, having only seen the highlights, from what I've read about the game, uh, Bella Kotchep and, and Salisu actually played pretty well and probably dealt with Haaland better than most centre-half pairings have this season. Um, and that's why maybe he was restricted a little bit in the chances he had, but... He's They're still just unplayable chances. He still has some really, really good chances that he should have absolutely buried. Um, yeah, they are just unbelievable at the moment. And I can't see anyone stopping them right now. I, no, definitely I mean, not. You're going into this week against Liverpool with Haaland captain, 100. No question in my mind. Am I going in with Haaland captain? Well, um, what about your message to me when we were sorting oh, out our big at the back team for this week, and you said, "Would it be mad to captain Cancelo?" Uh, you know what? I I bottled it, but I don't regret it because Haaland was still the sensible and correct move. Um, like, and I would have been watching that City game panicking if I had Captain Cancelo. And I'd rather just I'd rather just enjoy City games at the moment because they're playing so well. I don't want to be sitting there thinking about FPL, crying whenever Haaland gets a chance because he's going to bury most of them. So I'd rather just enjoy it. Um, so that that was my thinking behind it. FPL is meant to be fun. It wouldn't have been fun if I had Captain Cancelo watching that Man City game. No, I agree. And it, it, the question was, would it be mad? Yes, it would have been mad. Um, it would have come off, but it would have been mad. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I think I made I made the correct choice, even if I didn't get the correct outcome there. Um, yeah, but you know, we move. Um, City assets, though, obviously they blank in twelve. Um, so. Like most people, I expect I'll have Cancelo and Haaland, then Martinelli, all on the bench in game week 12. Then the plan would be to move to KDB or Foden for me. What would What's your thought process around this at the moment? I don't, it's it's a difficult one. I'm, I'm in a slightly different situation where I have four players from that fixture at the moment. So I have Cancelo, uh, Haaland and Martinelli, plus De Bruyne. So... For 12, I need to take one of those out. Um, probably going to be De Bruyne because he's easier to get back to with the money in the bank that I've got. And uh, I would lose less than, say, Cancelo and Haaland, who've had much bigger price rises since the start of the game. So that's probably the way I'm thinking for that one. Foden as well, if you want to go back to him, he is a great shout because the form he's in at the moment is incredible. The only worry is I feel like De Bruyne's more nailed in the starting eleven than Foden because he is more, even in the form of his life, he is more susceptible to rotation with the the other players they've got. I feel De Bruyne is more irreplaceable. Apart from the first game week, Foden started every game this season for City. I think he's more likely to get subbed off. I don't think he's less likely to start. 
Yeah, but have you ever heard of Pep Guardiola? Yeah, but people were saying that about Cancelo. Like, Cancelo rotation was a myth. I don't think it's done nearly as much now as it was three or four years ago. And <laughs> we'll move on to the Potter Lottery soon enough. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's a lot less with Pep now than it necessarily was, especially with, where Foden is concerned. I think he has now his place down. Um, I... I'm probably more likely to go after 12 to Foden from Madison, um, but we'll wait and see on that. Um, yeah, Southampton, there is literally nothing to talk about with Southampton. They are, I think they haven't scored... What's the stat? They haven't won in 15 games or something like that, or they haven't uh, beaten someone at home or something like that. Anyway, they're in a lot of trouble and they're not playing well. Next two are West Ham and Bournemouth, but after that, it gets very tricky again. So from an FPL standpoint, you're not going near them. Are you saying West Ham isn't tricky? Correct. Mate, I remember that one now. <laughs> one, four, one four in a row in all competitions. I mean, that includes the Mickey Mouse Cup. You can't count that as an actual competition. Um, why don't we move then on to the West Ham game as we're halfway through discussing it? Because Mickey Mouse Cup victories aside, you are looking quite good. Um, I brought uh, Keira in for this week. It didn't turn out uh, to go well with one point because you just can't keep a clean sheet even against a mitrovic Fulham. But come back to winning 3-1, Bowen and Skimatra on the score sheet. Well, what's your thought process with West Ham at the moment? Worth investing? It's it's hard for me to say um, because I feel like I love Skamaka. I think he is a great player. And if you see his goal, it pro- he probably got lucky for it to stand because it, it. I think the ball did just brush his hand as it bounced up next to his side. But the touch... The finish was just pure class, and it's a striker like the class of a striker we haven't had in a long time. Um, probably going back to the likes of the Canio to have a, a striker with that much actual class and a natural ability. Um, and he scored in three in a row now. He scored uh, in the Wolves game, scored in Europe, and he scored on Sunday. He's coming back into form. Bowen finishing the penalty, so he's on penalty duties now. By the looks of it. Uh, the only way he might not be is if Lanzini's on the pitch, which he's not getting much game time in the Prem at the moment. So I think you pretty much can guarantee that Bayern will be our penalty taker going forward. And and the other one for me is Paqueta. Um, you got the assist in this game. He it, Pretty much everything went through him. Him and Skamaka seem to have a really good link-up. So if I was going to look at anyone in the West Ham side at the moment, it would be one of those two um, or Bowen. But you're probably only going to be wanting to rely on one. Skamaka is probably the most risky in terms of potential rotation um, with, but it does seem to be Antonio is going to be starting in Europe and that's going to probably start in the league. Whereas Paqueta and Bayern, I think are pretty much nailed in that Premier League starting 11. And obviously Skamaka has more competition in those striking places in FPL at the moment, because there are a lot of options out there. Yeah. I really like the Paqueta shout. Um, Bowen, I don't know if I'm going to spend 8 million on a midfielder at the moment, I'd rather be looking at Fosen, at Saka, even at Madison, um, than Jared Bowen at this moment. Whether that changes in the next few weeks, I don't know. Whereas Paqueta comes in at a price point that, apart from Martinelli, are quite few and far between. So I really quite like that, Shouse, and I think that's definitely one to look at. 
Fulham. Yeah, we, we had him. We had him in our joint team, so he picked up eight points yeah. for us in the joint team this week. And we we actually finished on seventy six points this week for our joint team. Flying. Are we off, are we off the bottom? We are third from bottom. Yes! We're both the Devonishes. Yes, <laughs> they are so rubbish at football. Um, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. Uh, big at the back, no longer bottom of the big at the back league. I mean, we had loads of returns. Trippier, Cancelo, Paqueta, Martinelli, Andreas, Zaha, Tony and Haaland, all with returns. We are just so good at FPL, aren't we? Like, <laughs> no. At least you didn't leave the captaincy and Andreas this time. It wouldn't have made a difference. because Yeah, it would have been exactly the same. <laughs> so, um, Fulham... No Mitro was a shame, and I think that made life a lot easier for you, realistically, because Mitro is the catalyst to everything they do. Um, Mitrovic is still showing up as a yellow flag on FPL. It says 75% likely to play. He's still got the foot injury, but I'm hoping he'll be back for the next game, because the next game is looking quite good, actually. It's up against Bournemouth. Bournemouth. So Bournemouth travelling up to London. I think Mitrovic could do very, very well there. We know how good he is against championship level sides. As long as he's fit and firing, I think um, in his press conference, Marco Silva said he might have picked up a, like he sort of intimated that he had a little bit of illness, which is why he didn't play in this game. But in terms of because uh, he couldn't train for a couple of days, but mm. hopefully, yeah, he's back because uh, Bournemouth side who are leaky yeah. to say the least. Um, I disagree on that because Bournemouth before this game, and um, Bournemouth lost two, lost oh no, beat Leicester sorry two one this game. Bournemouth before this game hadn't conceded at home since the new manager came in. Well, there you go. That's not a bad little stat. I know obviously they have conceded. They have conceded quite a lot, but obviously a lot of those were taken into account by that one nine nil drubbing. Scott Parker. As soon as Scott Parker left, they became a good side. I hate to say I told you so. You mean Scott Parker, the only manager that has prevented Erling Haaland from scoring a goal this season? Yeah, but how do you do the rest of the games? But yeah, as soon as Scott Parker went, Bournemouth became a decent looking side. So I, I think Mitrovic needs to come in and tear them apart just to help his old buddy Scott Parker, who never played him, and help restore some of that reputation. Um, but oh, that's the point. We've got the Scott Parker Derby this weekend, doesn't it? <laughs> this is should be, be a, the last two teams to sack him. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth beating Leicester two one. Leicester back to the Leicester we know. They were shambolic. Although, on from an FPL standpoint, Castagna going getting the assist then going off at 68 minutes to keep the clean sheet then Bournemouth scoring their first one on 69 minutes fantastic for Castagna owners I'm terrible for everyone else yeah good for all three of the people that own him I I looked at him as a 4.5 but uh, obviously I didn't in the end but I I definitely looked at him as a potential option um Anything more to say? Madison probably could have had a couple of goals this game, so I'm not too worried about keeping him, especially for the next couple of weeks. If you look at Leicester's fixtures, they're still looking good. So they've got Palace at home, Leeds at home, Wolves away as the next three. Um, So I'll definitely be keeping him for the next two, uh, for the two home games, then probably swapping him out for Foden. Have you got any Leicester? Well, any Leicester. Have you got Madison? No, I haven't. I haven't had him at all. Uh, I was 
ruining it after the last couple of weeks, especially when I was toying with bringing him in, but I was still unconvinced by an unimpressive Leicester side. They say he could have had a couple this week, but I just, I don't know. I just don't fancy Leicester at the moment. Uh, I, I'm also of the opinion that I don't think on the old FDR, Crystal Palace should be a green game at the moment. I think Crystal mm-hmm. Palace are a decent side. So I think that's going to be a tricky fixture for them, um, especially defensively as they are shipping goals like no one's business at the moment. And you've got Zahar in good form. You've got Eze in good form. You've got Eduard in good form. Um, so they are going to struggle. Yeah, totally agree. Um, let's continue with the fixtures then because the next game we want to talk about is... Actually, I've just lost the fixtures here. Brilliant. Let's talk about Crystal Palace because we just mentioned them. 2-1 over Leeds. Um, Zaha looks good, but I think he looked like he got bullied out of the game a bit. Uh, I, I think Leeds handled him quite well and he got the assist, but it was a great finish by uh, Eze for that second one on the back hill. I, I'm not sure. I think, I think Leeds gave this a go and Palace are a little bit fortunate to have come away with the win here. Yeah, potentially. I think it was a overall. It was a fairly entertaining game. I think it could have gone either way, especially uh, when it went to one all. Um, but I think probably just Palace's little bit of extra quality going forward shone through at the end. Uh, they've got more options. They've got more creative players uh, and more sort of direct attacking players. So I think that's probably just about what swung the balance in their favour in the end. But I think, like I said, with these Palace fixtures, they are a team worth investing in at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And um, their fixtures are the best in the Premier League up to 16. Speaking of attacking talent, we're both doubled up on Newcastle defence and they keep conceding stupid goals. Uh, stupid penalty to give away uh, so Brentford could get a consolation goal. Stupid like 89th minute goal against Fulham last week. That That's knocked like 12 points off both of our FPL scores frustratingly. Um, what was your impression of Newcastle 5-1 over Brentford? Hi, uh, Newcastle just... Uh, Brentford shot themselves in the foot. They gave away two goals. One from the goalkeeper passing the ball out straight to, I think it was Almiron. Uh, mm. And another one from Pinnock trying to play the ball back to Raya. Uh, and it was Almiron that just nicked in and then took it around the keeper and finished it. So they didn't help their own case here. But Newcastle looked the good side here. They really, just going forward... Uh, Constantly, there was like a barrage of attacks, uh, and Brentford just couldn't handle it. Bruno Guimaraes picking up two goals. Um, his second one in particular was a very good strike. Yeah. Trippier just whipping balls in from that right side, uh, picking up an assist, and it was a great delivery for Guimaraes' header. Mm-hmm. I just think Newcastle look an exciting side at the moment. I know before the last couple of weeks they'd only actually won one game in the Premier League this season, but they they weren't really losing any. So they are an exciting side to watch. Trippier is is the main asset, I think. Even yeah. without clean sheets, he's picking up assists and bonus points, which is really what you you really want. Um, I still think Pope is the right keeper to have at the moment, but it would be nice if they actually picked up some clean sheets sometime soon. Yeah, agrees. And uh, two two stupid goals and two win easily one fixtures is frustrating as a Nick Pope owner. But overall, Newcastle looking really good. And when Isaac comes back, I am looking forward to owning him again. Now, a game I think was actually very interesting going into this game in week was Brighton versus Spurs. And Spurs picking up the 1-0 win away against Brighton was a really, really good result. I think for Brighton, Trossard looked excellent. I think he's definitely the one to go for. And I will probably be getting him in somehow for, for game week 12. 
What's your thoughts on Brighton and at the moment? And we'll come to Spurs in a moment. I don't think they'll be put off too much by this loss. Their their recent results have been fairly decent. Obviously, the, the thrill was it last week? It was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. uh, time, time's fly, flying by at the moment. It just feels like they're coming thick and fast uh, against Liverpool um, with Trossard's hat trick, like you say. Um, I don't think they'll be put off too much by this. I think Spurs defended pretty well. Um, Larissa made a couple of good saves. And it was just one moment of sort of lax defending that let them down when Kane ghosted in um, to, to nod home. But, I mean, overall... I wouldn't be too concerned if if you if you're a Brighton owner. I wouldn't be looking at them defensively at the moment, to be honest with you, um, just because they do seem to be shipping goals. But with mm-hmm. this new manager, it looks like they're playing a more exciting attacking brand of football, maybe than Potter, who was more calm and calculated. Whereas this seems to be a little bit more balls to the wall. Yeah, which I think really, really can suit them with the way they play. I think they've got a lot of very, very good midfielders. It's a shame that they don't really have a front man. And it's a shame they got rid of uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Neil Malpe up front. But Do not mention that man's name in my presence. <laughs> well, Spurs then. I thought this was actually the best Spurs player have played all season. Um, I thought they were... It was a very professional performance after the loss against Arsenal. Um, but I thought they played very, very well against a very, very good Brighton side. And when Perisic plays, Son doesn't play well. When Perisic isn't on the pitch, Son plays well. People are saying it's a Richarlison thing. I think it's more Perisic. So wh- what did you think around Spurs? Uh, it was frustrating seeing as in one of my teams. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, I brought in Perisic for this week, which was um, rather annoying. I thought with uh, Emerson's suspension, I thought he might um, have one of the starting birds at wing-back. But I don't know. It's it's a tough one at the moment. I think the most sort of nailed-on one is Dyer, um, who <laughs> seems to be just picking up points like nobody's business and flying under the radar still. And Ben Davis as well, um, after his injury coming back in. So... Essentially one of those two, if, if you really want to go for a, a Spurs defensive asset that's probably less of a rotation risk. But I just think in general, they look pretty good. Their fixtures are all right. Um, they play Everton at home next, um, and then it's Man U, Newcastle, Bournemouth. So they've got two good fixtures and two potentially slightly trickier ones in there. So I wouldn't be loading up too much. I'm still not massively convinced by Son, um, despite him getting the assist this week. I still think his output has been way below average this season. Yeah, or just last season was a massive blip. I know Potentially. Potentially. Um, but, you know, wait and see. I think that hat-trick he scored a few weeks ago is still fresh in the memory for me. So yeah. I, I mean, we'll talk about human Son in a minute when we get to our teams. But two more fixtures. I think neither of them are great talking points. So let's shoot through them quickly. Um, the the one I think may be worth a couple of minutes on is Man U versus Everton. Now, the 2-1 win for Man U away at Everton, who before this game had conceded the least amount of goals in the league. So ha- have we, uh, ha- are we wrong? Have we been wrong about Frank Lampard? No. No, we haven't. Next question. <laughs> uh, look, uh, Everton have played teams at the right time. They played West Ham when they were struggling. They've, I think they've been playing teams at the right time, but I still think they're a bad team. Um, 
Man U are there for the taking and Everton really didn't go for it. Iwobi, from an Everton perspective, has been flying under the radar. What's that, four returns in his last five games? Yeah. Do you FBO option? Uh, no, because like with other players, I think he is a terrible option because I think he's a terrible footballer. Um, you can give me all the stats you want about it. These are his returns. It's a fluke. He's rubbish. Don't bring him in and then watch him score a hat-trick next week. Excellent. On the subject of rubbish players, Cristiano Ronaldo coming off, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ronaldo coming off the bench to score and Anthony with another goal. You were texting me about potentially bringing him in. So what are your thoughts now? Yeah, um, I've taken a slight risk and pulled the trigger on that because with the news that Diaz is now going to be out until the World Cup, uh, I needed to replace him. And I think Anthony, three goals in three games. He looks a good player. He is in that sort of iron robin mould of playing on the right, cutting inside to, onto his left. You know he's going to do it, but you've got to try and stop him. Mm. Yeah, I thought he looked very good, but he's terrible defensively. So against a good team, he will get found out like he was against. He, he and Sancho were dreadful against City. Um, but I think against the smaller teams, he could get a lot of goals and cause a lot of damage. So I like him. Yeah, and obviously Martial went off with an injury in this one as well, which yeah. has sort of been the story of his Man United career so far. He just As soon as he looks like he might find a bit of form, he picks up a knock, which is obviously going to be frustrating for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that gives Ronaldo a bit more game time in the next few weeks. Who knows? I don't think Ronaldo has an option with all of our great striking options at the moment. No, no um, chance. Last game then, and every Aston Villa game is just so boring to watch. I, They have just gone back to being anti-football as far as I'm concerned. However, the big man, Emmanuel Denny, is back. Aren't we excited? Come on, get in. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn four points to bring him in. Please do. After he damaged no, you, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> it's good to see Denny back in the prem. I love Denny. Uh, he gave me a lot of fun memories last year, so I'm hoping he does really well and gets that starting berth for for us. He's in the um, Will Saha bucket for me. Of I missed the boat with him every like for the entire period he was scoring goals. Obviously, went through that nightmare double game where I captained him. Oh, yeah. Oh, we haven't also spoken about Chelsea. That's what I was about to say. There's one oh, game we've forgotten oh, about. Oh, my goodness. Reece the Potter James. Lottery. So, Reese James, I don't think he's worth owning an FPL because he will come up with an 18-point haul soon. He will. It's just how he operates. But the amount of ones and twos you have to own him for before you get that 12 to 18 points makes it not worth it to own Reese James, in my opinion. Um, if you look at, he averages probably three or four points a week, whereas if you that's not enough to be justifying spending big at the defence at the moment. What And Sterling on the bench as well was a bit of a shock. But yeah, this lineup was just really, really weird by uh, Potter. I think it was just him... Playing a bit of testing and the Potter Lottery, aka the Pottery, is now in full swing. Yeah, and Aubameyang benched as well. Um, so it was a, sh- a surprising lineup. It worked, obviously. They got the, the three points, three goals, clean sheet. So, I mean, there's something to be said for it, at least, I guess. But it does make any of their assets a lot more risky now. Um, people have owned Sterling. Um, 
I don't know if anyone got habits anymore, but he picked up a goal to the, uh, the weekend. So maybe he's one to look out for. But I just don't think, I think you might have to be looking to move away from potential Chelsea assets because you don't know who's going to be starting now. Maybe after a few weeks, it might settle down a bit more and you can get more of an idea of who's, who Potter's going to go with. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I was actually looking <coughs> at doing a double and bringing in Reese James and Sterling. But I just think I can't really trust the pottery, particularly in his early days. So I've moved away from that. Let's talk about our teams then, um, because I think we both pulled the trigger early in transfers on the basis of injuries. Um, so what have you gone for? So, yeah, at the moment I've made one change, which is Diaz out for Anthony, um, just because I wanted to get ahead of that price drop, which was inevitable. So I haven't actually set my start in 11 yet. So Anthony's currently down as my third sub, um, but ignore that. So it, my start in 11 will look something like um, Pope in goal still, uh, Cancelo, James and Trippier across the back. Um, McAllister, who may be dropped for Anthony, I'm not sure yet because someone's got to come out of this lineup for him. Um, Martinelli, Andreas, De Bruyne, and then front three of Edouard, Haaland and Mitrovic, which leaves me currently Ward, Malassia, Mitchell and Anthony on the bench. Nice. Um, so I've also pulled the trigger, but I have taken a minus four and gone for a double substitution. And I've taken out Trent and Diaz, both of whom are injured and both of whom are probably going to get more price drops that I wanted to avoid. So yes, I pulled the trigger early and it could come back to bite me with the player I brought in in midfield, which is Hyungmin Son. Now I've gone for so I've gone for a freemium approach now because I've got Haaland, Kane, and Son in my side, um, on the basis that Spurs are playing Everton and Son will become either KDB or or Madison will become Foden. Um, so that's the basis I'm doing it on. I've also brought in Johnny in defence. Uh, I think Wolves are still good defensively, and their next game is Nottingham Forest, so it's a bit of a just random who's going to get me points at the price point of 4.5 he's as good a bet as anyone for the next week or so in my opinion so i'm lining up pope then four at the back cancello trippier johnny and keira then in midfield martinelli son and madison and up front mitrovic kane and harland with the captaincy um benches andreas then mitchell then leon bailey i think Andreas could easily come in if Mitrovic is still injured, so I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't really want Mitchell starting because Leicester are still scoring goals. So that's how I'm lining up for the week, and hopefully there won't be any injuries to Son or Kane in the Champions League. Yeah, that's the big worry, isn't it? Just got to hope mm. for the best in those Champions League games. Uh, that is why I went to Anthony. He hasn't really been playing in the Europa League, so I'm hoping that carries on. Um, but if he does, just fingers crossed he comes through it unscathed. I also expect Richarlison will get the start in the Champions League over Son. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But I also think that Everton fixture at home is a very, very attractive one. If Liverpool weren't so bad at the moment, I'd be putting the armbands on Kane over Haaland. But there's no way I'm not giving it to Haaland against Liverpool at the moment. You'd be mad. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's it from us this week, guys. Uh As usual, we don't really know what we're talking about and you'd be wise to ignore all advice or all thoughts that we've given today. But if you want to tell us how bad we are, you can find us on Twitter at Big at the Back. 
Yep, and you can find me at Higgins92 and Tom is at TomMadden92. Uh, as we say, we're just here for the bants. We don't know what we're talking about. We will leave it with if that's this week uh, and we'll look forward to speaking to you all after this weekend's fixtures. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>